Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen and amen. Thank you so much, praise team. And for leaving, uh, leading us this morning. Thank you, Cody and Steve, and just your faithful service to the body of Christ. And, and I pray that you have felt the presence of the Lord this morning, that you've acknowledged Him uh, wherever you might be today. And, and we're just so excited now to be able to worship the Lord uh, through, through the Word. And as we pray so many times, we want to study the written Word that we might know the living Word, Jesus. Well, today we're continuing our message series that we have just simply entitled The Sign. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever missed a sign? Now, maybe back in the day, back in the day uh, when there were no GPSs and you didn't have maps on your phone, uh, you were going somewhere and and you were trying to follow the signs and, and you missed a sign. Have you ever missed a sign? Now, I have to tell on myself, because this actually wasn't that long ago that I was traveling with some guys. Uh, uh, Brady and another teenage buddy was with us. And I missed, I think, five turns on that one trip. If you know me, I'll get to talking and I'm driving. And I cannot do two things at once. And I completely missed all my signs, even though I had them on my phone. Well, it's really important. That we pay attention to the signs. Well, in this message series, we've been exploring what has been called the sign of Jonah the prophet. And and seeing signs and understanding signs, reading the signs, the signs of the times. It's really important that we pay attention to the signs. Well, it wasn't that long ago, and you might remember a guy by the name of Bill Engvall, who was with the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, and and he came up with the comedy act called Here's Your Sign. Wow, back in 1993, and I've had this stuck in my head, back in 1993, the Swedish pop group Ace of Bass, they sang about seeing the sign. How many of y'all remember that? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm definitely going to not be able to get this song out of my head now. This is going to be stuck like the rest of the day. They saw the sign. I know some of you are thinking, man, I'm going to, I hadn't heard that song in so long. 1993, they, they saw the sign. Well, like we said, when it comes to, <laughs> these guys are crazy. <laughs> when it comes to seeing the signs and like the sign of Jonah the prophet, as Jesus said, this would be the last sign that he would give They would show that he is, in fact, who he said he is, the Messiah, the chosen one, the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. And Jesus said in that conversation with the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, he said, an evil and adulterous generation craves a sign, yet no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster or fish, so will the Son and be in the heart of the earth. Well, that brings into focus three 
very clear stories. And you're saying, what stories come into mind? It's actually the, the stories that have to do with resurrection power, the last sign of the Messiah. It's the story of Jonah, and it's also the story of a man by the name of Lazarus. Today, in today's message, we're going to be talking about the second part of Jonah's story so that we can better understand the significance of this sign. We're going to pick up at the end of Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 17, and we're going to read through chapter 2 and then come back and teach on this great, great story, the heart of the message of Jonah. The scripture says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Then you go to chapter 2, in verse 1 there. In chapter 2, verse 1, then Jonah, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, and please start paying attention to the language of the text. He said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. We'll explain that later. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, and this is a key moment for Jonah, nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point or to the place of death. The great, the great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its Bars with its gates was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. And then he says this. Salvation is from the Lord. And then his prayer ends. And here's what happens next. Then the Lord commanded the fish. And it vomited. It spewed. It gave up. Jonah gave Jonah up onto the dry land. Father, as we begin to explore today the heart of the story of Jonah. Father, I pray that you would give us great clarity. That you would speak to our hearts and to our minds. And Father, we pray that you would speak new to us. That you speak fresh word into our lives about this Great, great story, how it, how it impacted the life of Jesus and how the life of Jesus impacts us even now, today. 
so we give you this time to worship you through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, last week in the first part of this message, Jonah saw the sign. We looked at three big teaching points. We actually only covered two of those big teaching points. And to really know and understand the significance of the story of Jonah, as you might have recalled when you were a kid, going to Bible school or Sunday school, Jonah and the whale, the scripture just, just uses the word fish. Jonah and the big fish. How many of you have ever noticed that uh, in Christian bookstores or maybe on the, the bumper stick or the bumper of a car, you see bumper stickers of, of Christians and there's a, a fish that has the words ichthus written inside the fish? How many of you have ever noticed that as an ancient Christian symbol? Actually, that symbol was used as a Christian symbol or sign, if you will, long before the cross was ever used. In fact, the fish was used as a Christian symbol, was identified as early as the 3rd century in the catacombs outside of Rome where Christians were buried. Why is that? Many believe the reason the fish became a Christian symbol is not just because Jesus did miracles like with fish when he fed like the, the 5,000, but many also believe that because Jesus embraced the sign of Jonah, Jonah and the big fish, this fish became the symbol and the sign of his death, burial, and his resurrection. And it makes a ton of sense because after all, if you think about the cross as being a sign, that's not really a, what we would call a glamorous sign because the, or a, a, a meaningful sign necessarily. We know what it means today, but the cross was a means of death, a means of crucifixion. It'd be almost like having you know, a friend of yours a, a, a brutally killed maybe by a knife, and then the next thing you know, you're wearing a knife on your, on your chain or on a bracelet to remember the means of death. Now, of course, that's not what we think about when we think about the cross. But the cross as a symbol is actually a symbol of death, whereas the fish was a symbol of life. A symbol of second chances, if you will. And a symbol of resurrection. Well, in the story that we covered, or the part of the story that we covered, three big teaching points about Jonah and the big fish. The first one had to do with the actual historical veracity of the story. Is the story a literary allegory, almost like a parable, parable, or is it actual history? We talked about that last week. You can watch the first part of this message from last week. Then from there, we talked about the powerful, the powerful parallels of Jonah. The whole story of Jonah, the four chapters that tell the story of Jonah. And how it actually points to uh, this, this redemption story of God's heart for a wicked and evil people, giving them a second chance, calling a man named Jonah, Jonah on a boat, sacrificing himself for those folks. Then God bringing him to a place and a point where he's ready to say, yes, God, 
I will do your will. And then this Jewish man goes to the Gentiles, the Ninevites, preaches repentance, and they respond in faith and in salvation. Powerful, powerful parallels in regards to the early Christian movement of the first century. It's almost like everything that happened around Jonah is everything that happened around Jesus. And the heart of both of those, for one, what happened in the belly of a fish. And for the other, what happened in a tomb. So today we come to a really, really important question that many times is not taught in depth, not covered greatly. The question is, exactly what happened to Jonah? Now when you leave chapter 1 of the story, you find Jonah being swallowed by a great fish. Last week we talked about the basking shark and, and how actually uh, it's possible that, that a man could have been swallowed by a fish. We talked about that last week. But Jonah is swallowed by a fish. And watch this. A fish that was appointed or prepared by God. It was almost like God had this work out for Jonah. Then when you hit chapter 2, Jonah goes into a prayer. He goes into a prayer to God. And what many of us believe and what many of us have been taught, which is the what we would call the traditional teaching of the story of Jonah, many believe that Jonah, for three days and three nights, Jonah was hanging out in the belly of the fish. He was contemplating his life. He was there maybe in some kind of an air pocket just hanging out. Maybe, you know, I, I just, I see some license plates and stuff, you know, in there. Maybe that's Jaws. Maybe that's not Jonah in the well. Maybe that's, maybe that's Jaws. But I, I don't know. But I just envision Jonah like in there hanging out. And then he comes to repentance. And then God says, okay, I'm, I'm going to use you now to go do what I ask you to do. And then the fish gives him up. And he goes and he preaches repentance to the Ninevites. But it's really interesting that between chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's not a lot of detail. Those three days are not described. However, there is a teaching and a perspective that suggests that Jonah wasn't just hanging out alive for three days. But Jonah actually died. And then God brought Jonah back to life inside the fish. And then the fish gave him How would anyone arrive at such a conclusion? And the answer is the language of chapter 2. 
Now, I'm teaching this today as a perspective. It's a perspective on what could have happened to Jonah. And I actually think it is a very powerful perspective if, in fact, when it comes to what Jesus said about the sign of Jonah, if, in fact, the details matter, then to me, this perspective adds a greater, an even greater significance to the story and it even adds a greater significance to what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. Again, the sign is to point you to Jesus as long, listen to me, as long as you end up with Jesus and faith in a risen Savior, you're good. But listen to this as a perspective of what happened to Jonah. In chapter 2, Jonah prays to the Lord. He prays to the Lord his God. From the stomach of the fish, he prayed. And this is what he said. He said, I called out. I called out of my distress to the Lord. The language here suggests that, that Jonah is referring to another time that he prayed. He, he didn't say, God, I am now calling out. But he says, I called out. And then he says this, I called out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me, past tense, something God had already done for him. I cried for help. Again, past tense. Seems like Jonah is suggesting a time that he prayed. A previous time that he prayed. And while he's praying now, he is talking to God about another time that he prayed. He said, I cried for help. And here's something really significant about what he says next. It's about where he cried from. He said, I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. Now to study Jonah chapter 2, you will see all throughout this chapter, and if you look at it in your study Bible today, you will see that chapter 2 is filled with other Old Testament quotes, mostly from the Psalms. There was a time that David, in Psalm chapter 30, he used similar language. O Lord, he said there in verse 3 of chapter 30 of the Psalms, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Now, now it's obvious here that David was using Sheol in the sense of a metaphorical nature. That he was talking about a time that he was very low, that he was in a dark place. But yet, there are other times in Scripture that Sheol is used literally, and the pit refers to a dark, deep place separated from God and without hope. Based on Jewish theology and the Jewish understanding of the afterlife, Sheol was simply the realm of the dead. Sheol was, don't, don't read hell proper into this, like he, he went to hell. Don't 
think of it like that. Don't read like your New Testament Christian perspective into this. Just try to understand that from a Jewish understanding of the afterlife, when a death occurred, the spirits of dead people went to Sheol. Sheol simply means the realm of the dead. The place where the spirits of dead men departed to. Many times it's used literally. A real place where the spirits of dead people went. Could it be that when Jonah is praying to God and he says, Oh Lord, oh Lord, in Jonah chapter 2, when he says, I cried for help, oh Lord, I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. That Jonah was recalling something that happened to him. Now here's something else that we need to know about life or death, whether it's Jewish theology, biblical theology, this, this holds true. Whenever a physical death occurs, there is a separation. The Apostle Paul, he expressed it like this. He said, to be absent from the body is to what? He said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he understood that when there's a physical death, there is a separation of the spirit and soul from the physical body. It's also interesting to note this, guys, that Jonah was in this state, if you will, for how long? How long? Scripture says three days, three nights. Jesus, when he spoke about Jonah, and he referenced the sign of the prophet Jonah, Jesus spoke of that, and he gave veracity to this story, to this event. Jesus understood that this was a legitimate story, either for the purpose of being just a sign or a real actual uh, historical event. Jesus gave legitimacy to this story. And he said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And you say, but Brother Allen, Jesus, it's been contested, was in the heart of the earth on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but there's not three nights. There's three days, but not three nights. Understand this. Three days and three nights is a Jewish idiom. And based on the Jewish understanding of days and the reckoning of time, if anything happened on a day, they considered it to be the whole day. We're not necessarily talking about a literal 72-hour period of time. It's just that these events occurred on part of a day, three days, three nights. Why is that so significant? Also, based on the Jewish understanding of death, they believe that when a person was in the process of dying, that the spirit, as it would separate from the body, would hover over or around the body for three days. You say, this sounds like a near-death experience. 
of what people have testified that happened to them in a dying process where they say it was like my spirit was being taken out of my body and I could look down. There's so many stories of people sharing this, like a near-death experience, an NDE, and, and they testify that they were like in this process of dying and there was this separation of their spirit from their body. But here's the deal. As the spirit would be near or hover around the body, during those three days, anything could happen. And if that person came to or came back to life, then they were like, well, yeah. It happened because the spirit had begun to separate, but it wasn't over yet. But here's the deal. Based on the Jewish understanding of death, after three days, it's over. It's done. There is a separation. And if that person comes back to life, then it's undoubtedly a resurrection and the power of God is at hand. When we look at the story of Lazarus, Jesus intentionally waited. He did not come to raise Lazarus from the dead until it had been four days. So that in that sign of resurrection power, they would be able to say this undoubtedly was a resurrection and the power of God is at hand. Is the same thing happening with Jonah? And when he prayed about a prayer that he prayed, could it be that when Jonah went down into the sea, Jonah died? His spirit went to Sheol. And there, as he says in the text, taking it literally, he cried from the depth of Sheol. God, save me. He recalls in verse 3 what had been happening to him. He says, you had cast me into the deep. And some of you are going, I thought the guys on the boat threw him over. Jonah sees God's hand in all of this. Jonah even saw God's hand in the storm. And guess what? When the guys tried to row out of the storm that was caused by God, the storm increased even more. Jonah sees God's hand in all of this, of what's happening in his life, that God caused it, God orchestrated these things for Jonah. He describes his experience. You cast me, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have what? I have been expelled from your sight. Now when you think about Jonah... And what Jonah was trying to do as he was trying to run from the presence of God. You could easily say, well, Jonah, you're just getting what you asked for. You were running from God. You didn't want to be in God's sight. You went the opposite direction because you wanted to flee from the presence of God. 
But yet he realizes there is nowhere he can go where he's not in the presence of God. Even if my soul descends, as Psalm 139 says, even if my soul descends into Sheol, maybe it's Psalm 39, even if my soul descends into Sheol, behold, you are there. But here's what I think is so troubling for Jonah in this. For him to want to be out of God's presence, that's one thing. But for him to accept the fact that God's out of his presence is another thing. Think about it like this. Have you ever in your life thought to yourself, God, I, I just kind of need to get away from you for a while. Maybe I'm angry about some things. Maybe I'm upset about some things. God, God, I just need to get away from you for a little while. You ever been mad at God? Upset with God? Have you ever been like Jonah and you were wanting to run from God? And as long as, listen to this, as long as it was on your terms, you're okay with getting away from Him? But then, when it's changed, and He's not there, and you don't feel like He's there, because He's silent, you're like, time out, God. You're supposed, wait a minute. You're supposed to always be there for me. But have you ever considered the fact that you're supposed to always be there for Him? You say, well, I expect God to always be there for me. I expect God to always be there for me. But do you ever expect that God expects you to always be there for Him? You say, but wait a minute. That sounds like God wants a relationship with me at all times. And guess what? That's what we're talking about. Having a relationship with God. He said, I was expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. I will turn. I will cry out to you. And he's doing that. As he says, perhaps from the depth or the pit of Sheol. He goes on to describe the encounter. In verse 5, water encompassed me to the place or to the point at the proximity of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds, imagine Jonah being thrown overboard. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. In other words, I went deep, folks. Y'all, I'm telling you right now, I was down there. I was down there, people. And I wasn't just down there. I was down there. To the roots of the mountain, the earth 
with its bars was around me forever. Many times we hear language like, oh, the gates of Hades. Hades is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Sheol, the realm of the dead. The gates of Hades, death itself. Jesus said about the church, the gates of Hades would not prevail against the church. This is language that suggests real death. The earth with its bars, the gates, was around me forever. So could it be that what Jonah is describing here is that when he was thrown overboard, he died. And there was separation of spirit and soul from his body. But his spirit cries out to God. God, save me. Deliver me. And could it be that God took Jonah's spirit, put it back in his body, and from the belly of the fish, he's resurrected to new life. All right, so from one perspective, I want to get down here and just look at some of these folks. I got to stay right here. Could it be, from one perspective, the fish is seen as a lifeboat that saved his life? That's an honorable, honorable perspective of the story. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But could it be that instead of the fish being a lifeboat that saved him, the fish was a tomb that gave him resurrected life? So when you look at the sign of Jonah in the perspective of, of Jesus, the fish is like a tomb Say, like the tomb of a man named Joseph of Arimathea that gave a tomb to the dead, crucified Jesus. And while Jesus was in that tomb, God didn't forsake him. God didn't leave him. But he was really dead. He wasn't in a coma. He wasn't like just, uh, he didn't faint or pass out. He was really dead. Three, well, three days. Verifiable, undoubted death. He was in that tomb. But while he was in that tomb, God brought him to life on that Sunday. God raised him from the dead while he was in the tomb. Then, once he's raised from the dead, the tomb has no choice but to give him up. So that we can have him. So that he can walk among us. And for 40 days. Jesus walked on this earth. Pointing to. The veracity. Of his resurrection. And Nineveh. Was given 40 days. And judgment was going to come. And because of his resurrection, 
people believe in Jesus today, could it be that Jonah, he died, but his spirit cried out from Sheol. And the miracle isn't so much that a fish threw him up, but the miracle is that God took his lifeless body in that fish and he put a spirit in that body. And when Jonah came to, he prays and he says to God, Oh, you heard me. I'm so thankful that you heard me. Oh, I'm so thankful that you heard me. I cried to you. It was over. It was history. I was done. But I cried to you. And you heard me. And you took me, my spirit, and you put it back in that lifeless body. And then that fish, that fish had no choice at the command of God, had no choice but to give me up. Why? Tombs are not for the living, and neither are fish. You know, there's a part of me that finds it even easier to believe that God raised him from the dead and the fish gave him up than that Jonah just hung out for three days. Yeah, he came to repentance. But could it be he came to repentance and he turned to God when he thought it was really, really, really over. We are talking about the sign of Jonah the prophet, resurrection power. And we are talking about Jesus. Jesus is the one because he has resurrection power that can take that which is dead in tombs and also in fishes and give new life. How many of you today, you need this power? How many of you know a situation a marriage, a family, a health condition, a young life, that by all practical appearances, they're in a tomb of defeat. And it looks like it's over. How many of you today how felt like you were in that tomb. That you were in that fish. Felt like you were separated from God. But yet to cry out to the Lord is to cry out to the one who can bring back 
to life. Whatever it is that you feel like has died. Oh, my dear friend, if you don't know Christ, your spirit spiritually is separated from the life of God. And to give your life to Christ is to allow God to do a resurrection of your soul. To take a spiritually dead spirit and to unite it with the spirit of the living God. That's what it means to really live. How many of you today could say, I've never given my life to Christ. I feel so spiritually dead. I am spiritually dead and separated. God, would you please give me life? But how many of you today, right now, are saying, God, there is somebody on my heart right now. There's a marriage on my heart right now. There's a young life on my heart right now. There is a job. There's a business. There is a career. There is a, a health situation. It's on my heart right now. It seems like all hope is gone. Jesus, would you please step in and give us again the sign of Jonah that you can take that which is dead and speak and breathe new life into it. Oh, if you would cry out to him today. If you'd cry out on somebody's behalf today. If you'd cry out for yourself. You might see. You might see. A fish or a tomb. Giving you up to new life. And the purposes of God being accomplished in your life. If you need somebody to pray with you or to pray for you right now, there's a number coming up right now. You reach out. You call that number. If you need to message me, if you need to text me, any of our ministers here, we are here for you today. I don't care if you are in Alaska this morning. I don't care if you're on the beach of Florida. I don't care if you're at the base of the Rocky Mountains in Utah. I don't care if you're outside the Great Lakes of Michigan. We are here for you. But God is here for you in ways that we cannot be. Cry out to Him. See what He'll do in your life. I'm going to turn this over to Cody. He's going to lead us in a time of response. And then he's going to pray us out today. In Jesus' name, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.